I'm Brett from Heinemann Publishing, and on this episode of the Heinemann Podcast, we're excited to bring you Beyond the Letters. Beyond the Letters is a new series hosted by authors Kate Roberts and Maggie Beatty Roberts. In each episode, they interview LGBTQ plus educators about their stories, strategies, and practical advice for what it means to truly create inclusive educational spaces for queer youth and educators alike. In this special preview, Kate and Maggie tell us why they wanted to make this podcast and what kinds of topics listeners can expect to hear. Be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for the first full-length episode of Beyond the Letters. There were a few reasons that we wanted to do this podcast, you know, in conversations with other educators. You know, there were two things that we saw were happening. On the one hand, we saw so much change and so much growth happening in the schools that we visit, in the schools that our kids go to, in our town, in our nation, in our world, where we found that queer kids, queer teachers could be more open, more free, more themselves in the world. And we were really inspired by that and wanted to catch some of that energy. We wanted to talk to educators that we had encountered who had been doing incredible work to make the world a better place and that we could see evidence of the world becoming a better place because of educators like the ones that we talked to on this podcast. On the other hand, we also visit, like Maggie and I get to visit lots of different schools, lots of different towns and cities in the country. And we saw that also there were places that seemed like they were either stuck or sliding backwards where there were a lot of educators that we knew really cared about these issues, cared about gay kids, bi kids, trans kids, and didn't know what to do. They felt like they couldn't move forward because of politics in their school or in their community. And then we saw that there were places where actually it was going the other direction, right? We see that rhetoric has changed in some places, laws are changing in some places. And so we felt like it was a good time to sort of try to address what are some of the things that one teacher in a school could do to make things better for people like us. I am so excited yeah. <laughs> about all the voices that we get to listen to and re-listen to their stories. It's a nice span of teachers in the classroom with a variety of ages, teachers who are cleaning up messes from snack time to <laughs> thinking about how to help this new generation of teachers as they walk through the halls of academia or their classroom placements. And so it felt really important to Kate and I to cast a wide net because there are so many different kinds of practical advocacy work that teachers are doing all over this country. And just to get a taste of that and amplify their story on this podcast mm -hmm. uh, feels incredibly exciting to me. And there are some incredible stories that we hear throughout yeah. the series. Why was it important to the two of you to share your identities, mm -hmm. your mm -hmm. stories as a part of our listening journey into this series? There is a mixture of luck 
and contemporary living that I get the privilege of sharing all of my story out loud in lots of different spaces that I occupy, my mom's space, my wife's <laughs> space, my educator's space. And even in the past 15 years, it just wasn't that. I remember interviewing for my dream job in Chicago public schools and I tend to read pretty straight uh, when I'm first uh, looked at. And so of no fault of my own old director, in the interview process, she asked me about my boyfriend. And at the time I had a girlfriend and I had this moment of wanting this dream job, being read a certain way, having a mix of youth in a city at the time that wasn't where it is now. And I did not live in my truth in that moment. And I became a closeted educator while I was in the classroom. And it wasn't until I left the classroom when I interviewed at the Reading and Writing Project in New York City, that not only was there ease to speak who I was, but there was other representation of people that looked like me and led a life like me that I didn't also have to be the first person disrupting somebody's normative story. And if this podcast can be that for someone out there who's asked a question and needs some strength to go against the assumption or the norm, I feel really lucky to do this podcast. You know, we're lucky enough to do this and we feel very lucky and we feel very privileged. And at the same time, we are gay. Right? Like, and there's a way that I think it can be glossed over that we are a lesbian couple, that we have this, this is a big part of our story. And it felt important to be able to to name that and to name our own struggles, issues, worries, worries for our sons and the school systems that they're growing up in, the country that they're growing up in, and to be able to do what we can. You know, for me, unlike Maggie, many people do know I'm gay when they first see me. <laughs> <laughs> and that has its own pros and cons, right? Like I don't have to come out a lot, but I look queer. So when I enter into a space, there's a reaction. And in my own history, I would walk into middle school classrooms in particular, because middle school kids live out loud shall we say. <laughs> and the class would erupt in yells and screams and taunts. And it was something slurs. slurs. And so there's a, a way that I remember having that be such an evolution for me and also witnessing that evolution in the country as a whole, because I can say that like 14 years later, that doesn't happen as much. Like mm -hmm. most of the time there's like a couple giggles or something like that. But most of the time there's some kid that's like, Hey, I like your hair. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. something like that. And I think that this podcast was important to like keep creating that space and to again put the spotlight on people who are working incredibly hard to make those spaces more and more open for all. I think one of the things I love about this series is there's definitely an invitation here to anyone who is not represented as an LBGTQ person as how to be a better ally. Can you both just sort of say more about how each of these episodes have sort of worked their way to both educate and to sort of invite people into becoming a better ally? So I think the big thing for us is that we wanted the episodes, we wanted these conversations to highlight work that these educators are doing that anyone could do, right? That like 
whether you identify as LGBTQ+, whether you don't, but you want to be more of an ally than you are right now, and you're not sure how to start, we wanted each of these episodes to offer something that we can do to move forward. One of the things that I think Mag and I have both been frustrated by, and I know we share this frustration with lots of people, is that in general, teachers that I've met seem to want things to be more open, more safe, more livable for people who identify as LGBTQ+. But in general, we see that there's a lot of talk and not a lot of action, right? Like a teacher wants to move forward, but is afraid, rightly so, of parent complaints, administrative pushback, et cetera. And so we envisioned this series as being a way for people to listen, to think about what could be my first step of action. We're not trying to convince anyone's heart or mind in this podcast series. We figure if you're listening, you're into it. <laughs> but how do we move forward with like real steps that could happen, right, to make things better for people? Small things like little moves you can make with your language to have it be more inclusive. Um, so instead of who packs your lunch at school today, is it mom or dad? Instead, I watched a teacher change her language to who packed your lunch this morning, which adult in your life or which parent, you know, little moves like that or small ways to enhance your classroom library to have more representation of lots of varieties of families that the way that the podcast tends to move is, you know, we are all rooted together through story. And, and I love how we begin the podcast that invites our guests to share a little bit about their story. And then they take a quick deep dive into that work, offering as many practical tips to take steps forward as possible. We also tried to stay grounded at this opportunity to even be able to do the mm -hmm. podcast. And one thing you'll notice is a refrain of Kate and I, as we do the podcast, we always open with kind of a little thought prompt of our own <laughs> of why are we doing this podcast, right? What are the reasons that drive us to the microphone mm -hmm. and the space to stay tethered to the work that this is for all kids, right? And all educators. And there are lots of different reasons why educators are pulled to this podcast to both listen and speak their story. Everyone's in their own learning path and they might be coming to things at different places of, of their knowledge and their learning. And because of that, there's a few terms that I thought maybe we could quickly define for people right now who, who may know, who may not know. But either way, we'll sort of share these terms based on um, how the human rights campaign has defined these just to sort of help people with their learning. That's such a good idea. You know, one of the most powerful moments is um, I lost my, my grandmother last summer at the old age of 92. <laughs> and whereas I didn't come out to my grandfather, I came out to my grandmother. And what I loved about my grandmother is that she would do her research and learn the language to use when she was talking to me about my life, knowing that she had to be on the internet and asking questions of how do you talk about, uh, you know, she would use language in context. Uh, and even if it was a little awkward or inaccurate, it meant so much to me because her educating herself on terms like donor or partner felt like it was an act to 
get closer to me. And so I think that's a great idea. Kate, do you want to throw out a couple? So, you know, one thing that we're going to do is if you find yourself not sure, if people who are listening find themselves not sure about a term, we're putting up a link on every episode of the podcast and on this podcast, a link to the human rights campaign that has a pretty good glossary of terms um, so that you can do some research. But you know, we know that some people bring up the term non-binary, which is a term that people use to describe if you don't identify exclusively as a man or a woman. So that's one term that you'll hear brought up a bunch of times. Mm -hmm. Like I know for me, I identify as a queer woman. And I know sometimes <laughs> I've had friends be like, wait a second, that <laughs> sounds horrible and <laughs> defamatory. <laughs> and, and really, it's this moment where I can say, oh, yeah, queer is this this reclamation of a former slur mm -hmm. in some in some communities and i see it as a way to reclaim an That's identity right. and a, encompass a large identity mm -hmm. i have for myself mm -hmm. and i like the word queer because i feel like it's more fluid yes. um, than saying i mean if you're going to be technical i'm a lesbian mm -hmm. but that doesn't right there's something about queerness that resonates more for me because it's a little more open a little more fluid than that one sort of scientific i know and as i hear you talk about that too kate it's always nice to say hey like i could even mm -hmm. look to you someone i know quite well it's helpful to say yeah, like yeah, what yeah. words really speak to That's you right. how do you want to be identified mm -hmm. how do you identify for yourself and because language is always evolving, what I find so beautiful is that new terms or new terms to me evolve as our language evolves. And then it creates space to say, ah, mm -hmm. I never really identified as that, but this term, that's me. And so mm -hmm. um, that feels uh, when, you know, sometimes I feel stressed because mm -hmm. I'm like, am I using the right word? Do I, you know, is it, is it butch femme anymore? <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it something different? Um, I think, you know, positioning yourself to like have a favorite website, like the one recommending bookmarked to always ask the question of like, how do you like to identify or what words really speak to your truth and having fun with it, you know, as language um, is playful and Absolutely. is ever evolving. So as you move through the podcast, if there's things you don't understand, you can click the link. Also, you know, just doing some internet research, or you can always reach out to us to ask any Absolutely. questions you have. One other term I just sort of want to define for folks is cisgender, which I know a lot of folks tend to wonder about. Can you just quickly give us the definition from the human rights campaign about cisgender? Cisgender is a term used to describe a person whose gender identity aligns with those typically associated with the sex assigned to them at birth. At the end of each podcast, you give a quiz to each of the participants and I thought maybe we could kind of wrap the podcast up by the two of you taking the quiz yourselves. I love that. Oh, that would be so good. Yes. And Maggie, you kind of came up with this quiz. I mean, I, I love it, but let's explain to people what the quiz is and then let's dive into it. Okay. So first of all, I love a good quiz. <laughs> I love a good, I mean, I just, I have all memories of my youth, teenage years of all quizzes. So of course, if we're doing a podcast, we have to have a closing five question mm -hmm. ritual and routine Absolutely. to our podcast. So we call it the closing five and they are five questions uh, that we ask all of our guests, mm -hmm. same questions, yep. different answers every time. 
Kate, would you like to interview me? Please oh say yes. Okay, yes, I do. Yes, yes I do. Okay. It's my dream, so, everybody. <laughs> okay. This is the closing five, Maggie Bader Roberts. Fill in the blank. You'll never see me without my scrunchy hair tie. Here is the deal, people. I have had a scrunchy hair tie since it was in style. Oh. The during first the first time oh. and i've just continued to have that hair scrunchie mm. around my wrist or my hair for the last few decades and it is now back in style you really, you really showed some perseverance it there. was it was it was a fashion commitment stuck with it I'm so you will never that. see me without my scrunchie okay. hair tie um fill in the blank of this okay my favorite article of clothing yoga pants mm -hmm. all day mm -hmm. okay my first concert I won tickets on the radio to see the first ever Lollapalooza, oh. but the buzzkill is that I was not allowed to go <laughs> by my parents. <laughs> so instead, my first concert was Tina Turner. All right. That's I know. still pretty good. That's still pretty good. I think I did know that. Okay. Uh, first queer icon. Without a doubt, Ani DeFranco. Okay. Nicely done. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what I, about your current queer icon? I mean, I am legitimately obsessed with Jonathan Venice oh, yeah. from the you new installation of The Queer Eye on That's Netflix. Uh, his true. Instagram stories are fantastic. Yeah, he yep. needs to come and queer eye. Yeah, we need our house right now. <laughs> we need, we need you, Jonathan. Jonathan, you're if you're listening, come you have us. a pod. Please, Please look at us right now. Okay. Am I oh, okay, great. Okay. So Kate Roberts. Oh, I haven't thought of my answers. This is the best. Okay. Okay. Kate Roberts. Yep. Here are your closing okay. five. Okay. Fill in the rest of the blank. Okay. You'll never see me without my oh, um, I'm gonna say coffee and or gum. True. One of the two. Mm -hmm. Yep. In all usually both. Usually both. But definitely one or the other. Mm-hmm. Okay. My favorite article of clothing is... Well, I'm going to say my new sweatpants that I just bought online. These sweatpants <laughs> are incredible that she just got online. I mean, I'm not going to lie, listeners. I sprained my ankle a long time ago. She did. And I've gained a little weight, and so my pants aren't fitting. She and looks I great. just ordered new sweatpants, and they are so comfortable. And if I show up at your school and I'm wearing sweatpants, <laughs> that is why. My first concert was, well, I'm from upstate New York. So, you know, my first concert was Bon Jovi, Slippery When Wet Tour <laughs> at the Ubica Auditorium. And it changed my life. That's incredible. <laughs> Your first queer icon? Ah, oh, geez. I'm going to say Jodie Foster. Yeah, I mean, I was like, had yes. no idea I was gay, but I had posters of Jodie Foster <laughs> plastering my room, which it's strange that people were surprised, but that's, that's what happened. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. All right. Do you have a current queer icon? Oh, you know, when you were answering, I was trying to think about that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I have to say it's the youth of today. Like the young queer people today inspire me and push me so much. And I idolize them. That's my current queer icon in multitude. Love it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this preview episode of Beyond the Letters with authors Kate Roberts and Maggie Beatty Roberts. Be sure to follow both of the authors on Twitter. And be sure to check out the first full-length episode of Beyond the Letters coming up. Thanks for listening.